If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be looking at verses 15 through 18 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 18. If you do not have a Bible, then you can grab the Pew Bible there in front of you, and that's on page 900 in the Pew Bible. Page 900 in the Pew Bible. A lot of people have different ideas about uh, a preacher and who he is, about his identity, who he is and what he does. There are those who see the preacher as kind of a CEO of the church. Uh, he gives the leadership of the church and, and kind of, you know, he, he's, he's kind of the CEO. So he, he's in that leadership position. And certainly there are some leadership aspects to being a, a pastor of the church and called to, to lead the church in the will of God. But uh, the question is, that's the primary role of the preacher. Others see the preacher as a counselor. He's there to counsel, give biblical, godly counsel when you're in a time of, of stress, time of need. Others see the preacher as a, primarily a comforter, one who's there to comfort you when, when you're uh, you know, when you're going through a tough time. And of course, certainly, uh, all of these things a pastor does in one way or the other throughout his ministry. But the question is, what's the primary purpose? What's the primary identity of the preacher? What's his primary purpose in the church? What is his main job in the church? Well, we see a little piece of that, a little image of that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 18. So we're going to see that today. Now, just thinking back over where we've been, back in chapter 8, Paul began a discussion on Christian liberty and told us that we need to govern our liberty by two things, knowledge, that is doctrinal knowledge. We need to know God's Word and be governed by God's Word, but also love. We need to be governed by love. And at times, we need to surrender our liberty in Christ out of love for others. And so he has been telling us that. And here in chapter 9, he's really giving himself as one who demonstrates that. He's an example of one who has set aside his liberty in Christ uh, for the benefit of others. Now, next week, we're going to kind of put all of this together. As we conclude this chapter, we'll put all of it together and see his full argument of why we should, at times, surrender our liberty in Christ for the benefit of others, why Paul did that. But as we are working through this text, we've, we've learned some other lessons along the way. So last week, Paul laid out for us the reasons to support the man of God, reasons to support the man of God. And now this week, in these verses, he reveals to us some characteristics of the preacher and his preaching. And so what we learn, the main principle that we're going to learn today from our text is this, that God is the master of the preacher and his preaching. God is the master of the preacher and his preaching. So God defines who the pastor is, who the preacher is, and what he does. And so as we look at this then, we're going to see four ways in which God reveals himself as the master of the preacher and his preaching. So basically, we're going to see two ways that God is master over the preacher, and then two ways he is master over his preaching. 
So let's look at that then. If you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 18, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And hear the word of the Lord. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if I, let me back up. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, first of all, here in this little paragraph, we see the two ways, we have two ways in which God is master over the preacher. So we see the two characteristics of the preacher in this verse. First of all, the preacher is compelled to preach. The preacher is compelled to preach. Look what he says there in verse 16. For if I preach the gospel... <clears throat> That gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, this word necessity, uh, some translations may translate it, I, I, I'm compelled to preach. Paul says, I am compelled to preach. Uh, necessity is laid upon me. Uh, this is, there, there's something that is outside of Paul. There's some underlying force that causes him to preach. So much so that he cannot do otherwise. He must preach. He is compelled to preach. Now last week we, we, saw, we talked about Paul's call to be an apostle. And he begins this whole letter stating that he is called to be, called by God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is called. You see, the, the pastor is called to preach. He is called to preach. Preaching is not some profession like other professions. You, you don't just decide, well, you know, that looks like a good living. I think I'll just go preach. If that's why a pastor is preaching, if that's why a minister gets up behind the pulpit and begins to preach, then he needs to go do something else. As I shared with you last week, uh, when I was first kind of struggling with the call, Doug Wilson, a friend of mine, gave me some great advice. If you can do anything else, go do it. If you can do anything else, just go do that. But if you can't, if God so compels you where you cannot do anything but to get up and preach his word, then you go preach. You see, preaching is not something that a preacher chooses to do. No, God calls a man to preach. 
A man who is truly called to preach God's word is compelled to preach. He can do no other. He must preach. There is a compulsion upon the preacher's life, life to preach the word of God. I can tell you there is nothing more than I want to do. Yeah, are there good days and bad days? Absolutely there are. There are some days that I get up and I, I, I don't want to go to work. I mean, all of us have those days, right? We just don't want to go to work. But I guarantee you, I, I can't help it. I want to be in the pulpit. I want to preach. I want to study God's Word. I want to get sermons ready. I want to come to the pulpit. And I want to preach. I want to proclaim God's Word. Every now and again, I'll take a vacation, and, and it's good to get away for a little bit, but, man, by the end of my vacation, I'm ready to get to the pulpit. I'm ready to preach because there's a compulsion upon my life to preach God's Word, and that's the way it is with the man of God. One who is called to preach, he has to preach. He must preach. Just like we have to breathe, a preacher must preach. There's a compulsion laid upon his life through his calling. God has called him to preach. Now when you think about God's call, that's not something that you, you turn away from. That's not something that you t turn away from. God's call does something. When God speaks, things happen. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, and the Lord said, Let there be light. And there was light. So when a God comes to the man and says, You must preach, he must preach. He must preach. God calls the man of God. He puts a compulsion upon his life in which he must preach the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 demonstrates this well. Now Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord called to preach in a time when preaching wasn't cool. If ever a time of that preaching was cool, it wasn't cool in Jeremiah's day. At least not preaching the word of God. The false prophet had it made because the prof false prophet just preached what men wanted to hear. And they were applauded for it. But Jeremiah was, was prophesying in an age in which God was bringing down judgment on Jerusalem. And Jeremiah had to pronounce the fall of Jerusalem. To tell Jerusalem, oh, Nebuchadnezzar's fixing to come in here. And he's fixing to wipe this place out. That wasn't a good message. That wasn't a, the popular message of the day. Yet, Jeremiah had to preach. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9 tells, uh, gives, you know, speaks for Jeremiah. If I say, Jeremiah says, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more his, in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. The preacher called by God, there is a burning in his bones to proclaim the word of God. John MacArthur tells the story of Raymond Lull, a Spanish mystic, who lived a careless and luxurious life for many years. 
he wrote that in a vision one night, Christ came to him carrying a cross and said, carry this cross for me, Raymond. He pushed Christ away and refused. In a later vision, the same thing happened. Christ offered the cross and Raymond refused it. In a third vision, Christ laid the cross in the man's hands and walked away. What else could I do, Raymond said, but take it up? The man of God called to preach. God doesn't give him that option of not doing it. God says, you're my man, go preach. And the man of God can do, cannot do otherwise. God doesn't ask. He calls the preacher. The preacher is compelled by God to preach, and he cannot do otherwise. So the preacher is compelled to preach. Second, the preacher is entrusted with an, an, a stewardship. He is a, that is, he is an entrusted steward. The preacher is an entrusted steward. Notice again what he says there in verse 17. If I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. I am entrusted with a stewardship. Now that little phrase there, entrusted with a stewardship, tells us a little bit of something about the preacher, how he is called, what he is, who he is. You see, a steward in the, the first century there, a steward was a manager of another person's property. Now, the steward was not a free man. The steward was a slave. A steward was a slave of his master's household. That's why Paul, you remember, back in chapter 7, verse 23, Paul told the, the, the church there, you were bought with a price. Do not become a bondservant of men. Do not become a slave of men. Because a steward was a slave. He was a slave. He was under someone else's control. And in that day, in first century, sometimes, you know, if you were a steward of a, a wealthy man, that was a pretty good gig. And so there were those who actually sold themselves into slavery to be a steward in a household, to, to steward a rich man's property. And Paul says, don't do that. You were bought with a price, so don't sell yourself into slavery. A steward is a slave. Think about Joseph in the house of Pharaoh. Right? He was the, the, the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, yet he owned nothing. He was a slave of Pharaoh. He was a slave of Pharaoh. He could only do as much as Pharaoh said do. Right? He was not his own. He belonged to another. And so it is with the preacher. Paul says he is entrusted with a stewardship. He is an entrusted steward. The preacher is a slave. He is a slave to the will of God. Now you need to make sure you understand that. He is a slave, not to the church. Not to the church. Yes, the church pays my salary, but the church is not my boss. I'm a slave to God. I'm a slave to Christ. That's why Paul says in Romans, in Romans, Philippians, and then again in Titus, Paul opens all three of those letters up, a slave of God. 
a slave of God. He's a slave. He knew his place. Not as a man working on his, by his own free will, but he is a man enslaved to the will of God. The preacher is a slave to God. Furthermore, the preacher is a manager. That term steward there means management. He is a manager. Just like Joseph managed the, the, the affairs of Egypt under Pharaoh's authority, so it is with the steward. He's a manager. He is a household manager. That is, he, he, he's not messing with his own stuff, right? He's not, messing, he's not managing his own property. He's managing the property of someone else. He is managing, uh, in one sense, the, the preacher manages the church, since the church is the, the property of God, right? You belong to God. If you're a Christian, you belong to God. And so, in some sense, the preacher in his pastoral role, he, he manages the church affairs in some sense. But that's not the ultimate sense. In fact, uh, that's why we go back to uh, Acts chapter 6. You see deacons are, are established. The office of deacon is established. And, and really it's the deacons who are to, to kind of manage the ordinary daily affairs of the church. And our deacons help to do that. They, they kind of manage those things. They oversee some of the, the building and ground projects and that sort of thing. But the pastor, he manages the church in the sense that he gives that leadership. But that, again, is not his primary role. His primary management is the, the Word of God. Again, back in Acts chapter 6, the reason that the, the apostles established the office of deacons was that they could organize and manage the ordinary daily affairs of the church and they could give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word the preacher's primary task is to manage the word of god to manage the word of god his main task is to preach the preacher is nothing more than an entrusted steward he is god's slave compelled to preach well that's the preacher now let's look at the preacher's preaching so we see God is the master of the preacher the preacher is compelled to preach uh, he must preach he's entrusted with the stewardship of the word now we move on to God being the master over the preaching preaching well, first of all, we see here is the preaching is the proclamation of the gospel. Preaching is the proclamation of the gospel. There's two phrases here in our text. Actually, both of them are in verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, if I preach the gospel. Now that phrase, that little three-word phrase there, in the, the Greek, it's one word. Euangelizo. Euangelizo. And it means to proclaim or to announce good news. So th this is a, a thing that a, a person does. He, he proclaims good news. 
Now, what this had in mind in the, a secular mindset, Paul is using it in the context of the church, but if you, you could use this term, euangelizo, in a secular context, and in a secular context, it was most often referred to someone who was given the, the task to, to run, go, and announce the news. And so you think about the military. This is kind of the, one of the main ways that people would think about Yuan Galizzo. It, it's a in military kind of mindset where the, the, the military is out there on the battlefield and the general is out there commanding the army and the army goes out and they win the victory. They win the victory. And so he takes a runner... He's got his runners because they don't have radios, right? They don't have the combat radios like we have today. So they had runners, and he would get his runner, and he said, go pronounce the good news. Go pronounce the victory is ours. And the runner would run all the way back to the city, all the way back to the castle, and he would go to the king, 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 good news, good news, the victory is won. That's what Paul says he is. He is God's runner. He is God's pronouncer. He's not there to give his own thoughts, his own ideas. He is there to pronounce the good news. The victory has been won. And that's what preaching is. Preaching is the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of victory in Jesus Christ. That's what my, my main task is in this church, is to pronounce the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice that this, this proclamation, it, it is a proclamation, it's not a dialogue. This is a proclamation, not a dialogue. The, the, the runner didn't come back to the king and, and enter into conversation with the king. He just pronounced the good news. Good news, the victory is won. There's no dialogue. There's no dialogue. Now, in our postmodern era, there are those who want to redefine preaching. And, and they, they, they say that the age of proclamation, the day of monologue proclamation, a man standing in a pulpit proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. The postmodern world said those days are over. People don't want that. You don't need to proclaim the Word of God. You need to get into a dialogue. We need to have a conversation about uh, God's Word. Uh, that's not what Scripture says. You see, the man of God is not here to get into dialogue. He's here to proclaim the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. It is a proclamation. And the, the message that is proclaimed is a definite message. It's a definite message. It's a defined message. I don't get to come in here and share my ideas with you, uh, uh, you know, what I, what I think about the world. That would really do you no good. That would do you absolutely no good. If I just came in here and, and started telling you uh, about, you know, 
just let's look at the world. I mean, there's plenty to talk about in our world today, isn't it? With all the riots and COVID-19 and all of this stuff going on, uh, it would be so easy for me to come in here and use this pulpit as my soapbox to tell you what I think about what's going on in the world. But what good would that do you? My ideas are limited. My ideas are flawed. What you need is a word from the Lord. And that's it. And you don't get in conversation with God. God says, thus saith the Lord, period. There's no question mark. So preaching, preaching is not a dialogue. Preaching is the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of God's word. Furthermore, preaching, preaching is the proclamation of the gospel. Furthermore, preaching is the stewarding of God's word. It's the stewarding of God's word. Here again, we bring back in that idea of stewardship. What's the preacher's task? He's the steward of the word of God. He's a, a manager. He's, he's, manage, he's in management, right? He takes the word of the Lord and he, he manages it. He's not adding to it. He, he's not taking away from it, but, but he manages it. Think back to the days that I was working at, at Dillard's, Dillard's Lady Shoes. And there was a guy who was the, he was the manager over our department. The shoes didn't belong to him. But he managed them. He managed it. We didn't belong to him. We, we belonged to Dillard's in a, a sense. You know, we were Dillard's employees, not his employees. Um, yeah, employees. But he was to manage the employer, employees. And, and so his job was to, to take the shoes out and make sure they were displayed in such a way that, that you know, people, the customers could come in and, and see the shoes. He, he wanted to make sure that they could come in and comfortably see everything that was available and, and, and managed us so that we were there making sure that they had shoes to try on, right? He was managing resources. Those resources didn't belong to him, but he was there managing them. And so it is with the preacher. His preaching is a management of God's Word. He's, he's going to the text. Preaching is getting into scripture then let's see what god says that's why that's that's why i preach the way i preach because this is my conviction that that this is my conviction i'm not here to tell you my thoughts i'm here to tell you god's word and so when we get here on sundays and and i come to the pulpit i say open your bibles let's look at the text we read the text and then we go back to the text. Look at verse, verse 15. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 15. See these words. See how they fit together. I, I'm just managing God's word. I'm putting them on display for you to see. And that's what, the preacher, that's what preaching is. It's managing the word of God. It's explaining the word of God so that you can easily understand the word of God. 
It's applying the Word of God, trying to apply it to your life so that it's, it's relevant for you now, today, and not just to those back in the first century, but for you in your life. It's just managing the Word of God. That's what the preacher must do. He must manage the Word of God. Biblical preaching, I believe, is text-driven preaching. We come to the text. I mean, this is my bread and butter where I'm just working through verse line by line, verse by verse through a text of Scripture. Occasionally, I may do textual or topical sermon series like we did one on evangelism, but, but those were text-driven, right? We came to the text. I said, let's look at this text and see what this text says about evangelism. It's all text-driven because you don't need anything from me. You just need God's Word. And so the preacher's preaching is text-driven. It's giving you the Word of God. Preaching is a stewardship of God's Word. Nothing more, nothing less. I really have nothing of importance to tell you other than what God says. So preaching is the proclamation of the gospel, and it's the stewarding of God's word. The preacher and his preaching are always in the service of God. The preacher and his preaching are always in the service of God. God is the master of the preacher and his preaching. That means that in, in season and out of season, the preacher must faithfully preach God's word. Martin Luther once made the point, if I pro profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except precisely that point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Him. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefields besides is merely flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. In a world, in our world, there's a lot of things in God's Word that's not popular to hear today. It's not popular. And people don't want to hear it. I'm just going to tell you, church, as we begin to be more secularized, become more and more secularized, as people begin to drift farther and further away from God's Word, God's Word's not going to be popular. There's already people in our world, in our country, who are, in effect, trying to uh, ban the Word of God. Because of what it says about homosexuality and gender and, and those types of things. They're trying to ban the Word of God. They want to get, it, get rid of it altogether. It's not popular. Churches are shrink, shrinking more and more because God's Word's not popular. And many of the churches, not all of the churches, but a lot of those churches that are growing, it's, it's because 
what's being proclaimed is not God's word. It's what people want to hear. So I want you to know, church, that as God's word is proclaimed, people may not come. People may outright reject the word of God. People rejected the word of God in Jeremiah's day. Nevertheless, dear church, expect nothing more or nothing less out of your preacher than that he stand on the word of God, that he be a slave to God in Christ, that he preach the word faithfully and truthfully with all boldness, never backing down, but preaching thus saith the Lord. The preacher is a slave to Christ. And his only job is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through all of God's word. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you even give us direction on what to look for in preaching. Lord, that you instruct us and tell us what, what's good and right. And Lord, we know that in our day, much like in Jeremiah's day, your word is not popular. Your word is offensive. But Lord, your word is also the only word of hope. And it's only in the proclamation of your word, the gospel, that we'll ever see souls come to know Christ, souls saved from your judgment. So Father, let me be faithful to proclaim your word in season and out of season. Let this church be faithful to demand it of their pastor to preach the word of God in season and out of season no matter what. Let us be faithful. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.